Welcome to the other party, got it vibe Well, you know we getting let it come alive And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Hey, it's Chris, and welcome to the After Party. But this isn't a normal episode of the After Party. This podcast is the start of the After Party going back to being a video and audio podcast. So I don't know who's been around since the beginning, but way back at episode number one, and it went for, I don't know, a few episodes, four or five episodes, this was a video and audio podcast because I was kind of testing it out how that would work, what it would it take to make it happen, and could I do it well? And at the time, I felt like the answer was, you know what, it's fun, but I don't yet have the setup to make that really work. Fast forward till now, and I'm back to doing it, because I think it's gonna be awesome. It's very possible that you're listening to this in your car, or at your house, you know, or you're watching this on YouTube. So hopefully starting now and moving forward, you'll just be able to consume this however you want to, whether it's just listening like you always have, or if you wanna see the clips on the Clips channel of all the different segments, or you wanna watch the whole thing in its entirety, all of those are possibilities. And I'm gonna leave all the links in the description of wherever you are actually hearing or watching this right now, so you can you know choose where you want to consume. And of course, you can expect me to just kind of play around with the format and the topics and, and all of that stuff moving forward, but I think this is a good time to do it here at episode 30. We're pretty deep into this now and kind of know what to expect, you guys, from me, and vice versa, looking at all the stats and analytics, I kind of know, I think, what you guys want to be hearing as well. So yeah, let's dive in, and I would welcome any feedback that you guys have to leave, whether it's in a comment on a YouTube video, or if you wanna hit me up on Twitter, or send me an email, whatever you wanna do. So iOS 14, the betas are here, the public beta's out now, and the full version, which should be fully baked, is gonna be out sometime in the fall. But with iOS 14 comes some camera improvements that I'm pretty excited about. They're, they're kind of small, but when you add them up, it just makes what's already a great experience that much better. And I'm always for camera stuff because think about it. That's the main camera that everyone's using is just their iPhone. So yeah, at WWDC recently, there's a lot of really big announcements and these improvements wouldn't have risen to the level of needing to be announced you know, during that presentation. But I think they're still important for the overall iPhone camera experience. So a lot of the improvements have to do with speed, being able to take pictures faster. Now this is important. I don't care what kind of camera you're using. If you're using a DSLR or a mirrorless camera or if you're using your phone, you gotta be able to take a picture quickly because the moment might pass or the perfect smile or pose might be gone in a split second. So with iOS 14, opening up the camera app and snapping a picture should now be 25% faster. That's actually a pretty big speed boost when you think about it, 25%. Now if you're gonna take two pictures and be pressing that shutter fast, that's gonna go up to 90% faster. And then if you're trying to take a portrait mode photo, that's gonna happen 15% faster or up to 50% faster. Now this is all really good stuff because a few, a few things happen, right, when you take a picture. Number one, it actually snaps the picture, but then number two, your phone has to process that photo. So faster shooting is coming to all devices that run iOS 14 in the future or in the beta, which is cool. There's nothing that you even have to do no settings that you have to change. It's just gonna work, it's just gonna be faster. Very Apple-like. Now on top of that, there's a new prioritize fast shooting option within the settings that's gonna go beyond just that regular uh, fast picture taking that I just mentioned. It's gonna be for everybody. But there's a setting that you're gonna be able to adjust that will specifically tell your iPhone to spend 
less time processing your photos so that you can take multiple shots quicker. So you've probably had that experience before where you take a picture and it takes your iPhone a second, even your new iPhone. This has happened to me several times with my latest iPhone 11, the Pro even, where you take a picture and you're looking at it and then you know, like a half a second later, the full thing snaps into, into view and you can see it in its full crispiness. Well, that's because the processing is happening. So when you enable or you prioritize the fast shooting, then you have to be aware, maybe there's gonna be some shortcuts taken with the processing but you're gonna be able to get to pressing that shutter button quickly again to capture another photo. Let's say you're at your kid's birthday party and they're opening something up. This is very practical because that one look of joy when they open their new favorite toy, it only lasts for just a hair, a split second. And so whether you're shooting a burst, just holding down the shutter, or if you shoot it and then you realize, oh, it's I gotta get this next shot and you hit it again, this is gonna be an amazing new feature for people that I don't think most people, the majority of people aren't even gonna realize. It's just one of those nice things that add up to having a really nice experience with your iPhone. Something else that's new that's coming is being able to use your volume up button for burst mode. So burst, I just mentioned, if you hold down the shutter button, it's just gonna keep taking photos in rapid fire succession until you let off. Well, now you're gonna be able to do that with your volume up button. So you could always take a picture, snap one photo with that volume up button. Now it's gonna work for bursts, which is convenient. So can you use the volume down button to also do the same thing? Well, actually you don't. It, that's not how it's gonna work in iOS 14. What's gonna happen is gonna enable that new quick take feature, which will automatically start a video, which I actually appreciate. This is a small thing. This is like an off the cuff thing that Apple threw out in the updates, but for me, I would love to be able to do a quick take video with just the shutter buttons because I can do it by feel, by touch. I don't have to go in and look at the screen and then enable that video setting. It's just less time. Again, it, all this stuff is about speed, being able to take your photo or video now with the quick take faster, and I like it. One thing that people who have an older iPhone model are maybe potentially gonna appreciate is the ability to change uh, the frame rate in your camera app now without having to go into settings. That's something that newer iPhones could do, but now older models are gonna be able to do that, which is nice. See, Apple doesn't just forget about those older devices. They keep supporting them for years into the future. Something else is new is the ability to mirror the front camera. So I don't know if you ever noticed this, but when you line up a selfie, then it looks a little bit differently how you're looking at it when you look at your selfie screen than how the actual finished picture looks. So it's different in the live preview is what I'm saying versus the end product. The reason why is because your camera app shows you a mirrored version. So what the new iOS 14 setting does that lets you mirror that front camera is it lets you keep that different mirrored version and have it look exactly the same as the end product as it does at the live preview. Something I'm personally really excited about is better control over the exposure. One reason why somebody who makes a living with video, like I do, that why I would have to use something like Filmic Pro when I shoot pro video on an iPhone or, or maybe even the iPad is because I need this exposure control and specifically the ability to lock your exposure. So why does this matter in practical terms? Well, let's say I'm shooting a video at my desk and I got my window right here. Well, if there's something over here and the window is bright and I pan my camera over here and that bright uh, source of light disappears, then my exposure changes and it's just not a very professional look. And the same thing happens when I'm shooting a device. If I'm shooting the iPad screen and it's very bright and white because 
I'm using an app that has a white background. And then I take the focus off of that onto something else on the desk. Let's stick with the desk scenario. Then my exposure changes and it just doesn't look very professional. So what I can do now, just straight in the camera without having to use a professional app and have to pay for it is to just lock that exposure so that no matter where I pan around, it just stays the same, which I think is one of the main things if you're shooting on an Apple device, on a mobile device, I should say, that really ups the quality of your production. And then finally, there's an updated night mode. And so the night mode actually isn't changing what the night mode does, how it works. But what is new is that Apple is making better use of the gyroscope inside your phone to help you get steadier night mode shots. Because, you know, if you haven't used this before, which hopefully you have, but when you're holding it there, you got to keep it in place for maybe two or three or five seconds. You don't want to move your phone so that it can capture more light and more frames and then merge those together to give you a shot that's a lot brighter. And sometimes that's hard. If you wanna avoid blur, then you have to be really still or shoot on a tripod or, this is good news, get a look that's a lot more stabilized. Now, I've been enjoying night mode. Uh, it depends, I don't use it all the time, but for the 4th of July recently, I got some amazing shots of some people with the fireworks exploding behind them and night mode just made those turn out amazing. So I'm glad, maybe I'll actually end up using it even more with this better stabilization. Let's talk about camera covers and Macs, cause maybe you're one of the people who's been using one of those plastic sliding camera covers on your Mac. Whether it's a MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, just a plain old MacBook, doesn't matter. Apple has a new support page, which is warning people not to use those plastic covers on their Macs, at least not to shut their Macs with those plastic covers. You probably remember, when was it? It was a while back when it came out, Mark Zuckerberg had a cover on his Mac or on his computer and everyone was freaking out, thinking like they needed to do that. And somebody at the FBI also had a cover on their computer over the webcam. And so those two things combined and everyone was like, wow, do I need one of those? If those high profile people have those, do I need one? And of course, not everyone, is maybe as high profile as those two individuals and therefore might be less prone to being attacked or hacked or having their camera broken into. But still, I mean, it's kind of an obvious thing. Like if you cover up your camera, then people aren't gonna be able to see you when you're not expecting it. So why is Apple saying don't leave that cover on and shut it? Well, it's because it could end up damaging your screen. It could crack your screen. And maybe that seems obvious to some people. And the reason that Apple gives is because the clearance between the display and the keyboard is designed for very tight tolerances. In other words, it's supposed to fit together flush. But those plastic covers, they're pretty common these days. In fact, some employers actually, from my understanding, will require employees to use those. And for those situations, Apple has said, if your employer requires you to use that, then just take it off before you close it, which is kind of a pain. Like who's actually gonna do that in the real world? Number one, you might forget. That's what I would do. But number two, it's just not, it's just not practical across the board. Now, if you end up closing it and using one of these plastic covers and it does break, I mean, it's gonna cost you. If you break a screen, that's not a cheap fix. Even if you have Apple Care Plus, you still have to pay that deductible, which isn't cheap. Because what you have to do then is tap into the accidental coverage. So if that's so impractical, what is Apple's solution in this support page? Well, Apple just says you can simply trust the little light that lights up whenever the camera has been activated. 
Just trust it. So to quote the article, Apple says, the camera is engineered so that it can't activate without the camera indicator light also turning on. And you know, that's cool. I've heard of other products. Uh, there was some camera company, I think, that had a way for the camera to physically disconnect so that if you were home and you wanted privacy, it would physically disconnect the camera when you were in that room or something. So this is different. Apple's not saying we're gonna physically disconnect it, but hey, you can just trust that when that light's on, it's been made in a certain way so that you just don't have to worry about it. But you know, sometimes as The Verge has pointed out in their article on this, it's not always about just the privacy aspect. Sometimes if you're in a Zoom call or something, FaceTime, maybe you want the audio for the meeting that you're in, but when it pops up, you don't need to be seen right away. In fact, that's one thing that's always annoying. Sometimes you don't know if it's gonna be an audio call that's using a video service and everyone else is gonna show up without their cameras activated. I hate that, that always happens to me. I show up, my stuff's all on, and nobody else. So they can see me, I can't see them. And it's kinda awkward. So maybe that's when people start thinking, well, I could use something like a camera cover. And they're cheap too. I mean, they're so cheap that it's almost like you see it, you find out about it, you're like, that's a good idea, cheap, so it's like an instant buy. Now, something that I covered on applehype.com a while back was a sticker, and that's sort of an alternative, is a little sticker, and because some people just use tape or something too, right? But Apple actually warns against using certain kinds of adhesives um, that could also cause problems. And what they actually say is you don't wanna use anything that's thicker than the average piece of printer paper, which is 0.1 millimeters. So, but you know, even the sticker thing that I covered that was from a startup company, aesthetically it looked kind of interesting, but also it wasn't as convenient as the sliding cover because then you'd have to peel that sticker off. And then I, I suppose you could probably reuse it a couple of times, but it's just not convenient. Whatever you do, either Apple is saying, don't do it because it could result in screen damage or it's just gonna be inconvenient no matter what you do. So what really is the answer? Really, probably the best answer is to do what Apple is saying, I would guess, and that's what I do, is just trust the little green light when it shows up. Now, if that's not good enough for you, what else can you do? Well, the other thing that you can do is go into your settings and then mess around with what apps actually have access to the camera and to the mic so that you can hopefully just yank the access of anything that you would feel uncomfortable with ever having access to those things. So system preferences, security, privacy. That's gonna be your best friend if you really wanna fully manage what can and cannot use your computer's communication devices against you. But that's where you go to manage the permissions. And so if you're worried about security and you're worried about privacy and you don't wanna mess up your screen, which should be everybody, then that's what you wanna do. Revoke access. Now. The real question is, are you gonna do it? Are you too lazy to go in and actually make those changes? Are you just gonna leave it alone? Are you gonna get in there and finally tune and finally tweak? You know, you can leave it to Apple though to lead the way in anything privacy related because I'm really liking the beta of iOS 14 that shows that little, it's not really a light, but it's meant to indicate a light. It's like a little orange dot that gets put in the top right, right to the right of the notch, since we still have the notch. And I've noticed that whenever the camera's in use, that that shows up. And that's pretty cool. So Apple does do a good job because that's not something that's just built in across the board. Not every smartphone out there is gonna give you this option. But because Apple tends to put privacy of its users first, then they're always coming out with these features. One feature that just had a huge impact similarly was 
the little drop down from the top of your iOS device that says when an app is basically snooping on your clipboard. So your clipboard is when you copy and paste stuff. When you copy something, goes to the clipboard, and Apple just came out with that feature in iOS 14 that shows you which apps are copying that information, snooping on that information. And it was a big deal. TikTok was doing it. I think LinkedIn was doing it. A bunch of apps got caught doing it. And some were for, you know, lazy purposes. They were coming up with a solution for something and just using that feature to do it. I don't think they were necessarily up to something nefarious. But others kind of made you wonder, why did they need that information? So it's just one of those things. I appreciate Apple pushing these kinds of really helpful features for the user base. Let's talk about batteries a little bit, specifically Mac batteries, but throughout this little chat here, we're gonna talk about iPhone batteries, iPad batteries as well, and specifically, should you keep your Mac charged up to 100% all the time? Basically, if it's on your desk, which it is for a lot of people, I know mine lives on its desk a lot of the time, should you just keep it plugged in? Or alternatively, do you need to do a better job of managing that charging and the power supply. Well, here's the big revelation. I don't know if you knew this. It, I didn't know this, I don't know, a year and a half or two years ago, even me, I didn't realize. If you keep your battery for your Mac plugged in all the time, that's actually not good for your battery. And when I say not good for your battery, what I mean is it can actually diminish how long that battery can stay charged, number one, or number two, it can actually create bigger issues like overheating hazards to the point where you could lose minutes of time that your battery device can function without being charged or plugged in, or even up hours, depending on how long you've been doing this and how long you've had the Mac. So your usable time with the device can actually suffer if you're not smart about this, if you're not careful. And how can you be careful if you didn't know? But beyond that usable time suffering, diminishing, it can also lead to swollen batteries. And that's what happened to me a while back. Uh, before I got this 16-inch MacBook Pro, I had a MacBook Pro from 2016, and it had an issue with this because I did keep it plugged in all the time, basically all the time. I, in fact, I left it in clamshell mode, shut on my desk, and had it hooked up to an external monitor, and it was just plugged in basically permanently. And then after a while, when I unplugged it, I realized it wasn't sitting flat on a surface anymore. It was rocking around, and not just a little bit. It had a lot of wobble to it. And so I actually had to take it into the Apple store and get it checked out and had to run all these tests to make sure it wasn't this or that. And they finally said, yeah, it is the battery. And luckily, because I had had the MacBook for quite a while at this point, luckily I did get it replaced because it was within its warranty time, but just barely. It was like a month or two away from being out of warranty. And then it would have been a pretty expensive repair. So that's why I want to make it plain, make it clear that you guys got to actually actively think about this, unless you just don't care. But needing to manage your lithium ion battery, that's just a characteristic of lithium ion batteries. And so there's things that you can do to manage it, but there's also things that Apple does and other manufacturers to help manage that behind the scenes. So what can you do if you wanna make sure that your battery stays in good shape for a long time? Well, the first thing is unplug it every now and then, maybe every day. So lately, I've changed my behavior where I don't keep it plugged in all the time. I'll take it and I'll go sit in a chair or somewhere else or just unplug it if I'm at the desk uh, and let it run, let it work, you know, for a while before plugging it back in. That's something that's important to do. Get it unplugged. It needs some unplugged time. And I guess uh, what the experts say is get it down to that 30 to 40% range. If you can, that's a decent place to let it get to. 
But on the other hand, you don't want to let it go all the way to zero. This is another thing. It's a little more complicated. And frankly, like who wants to sit there and think about the battery? You just want to get your work done. You don't want to have to manage it. And that is why Apple built in some management stuff, which got them in trouble with the iPhone a little bit ago. I think we're going to mention that in just a second. But anyways, don't let it run all the way down to zero. I've been guilty of this too. As I have tried to get away from keeping it plugged in all the time, I frequently, as I'm doing video editing work, that's pretty power hungry work. I'll get it down where I got to go plug it because I realize it's under 5% or something. I haven't actually gotten to zero with the new 16 inch MacBook Pro, but I've come very close. So if you have macOS Catalina 10.5.5 or above, there is a battery health management uh, option that you can enable that you can go in and you can mess with the energy saving preferences and look at the battery health, see where things are at, see how you're doing, see the age, the life, uh, how long it's gonna last. And in macOS Big Sur, which is currently in beta, there's gonna be even more robust tools that you can use to manage your actual battery health. Now this is actually different. I don't know if you remember the, does nickel metal hydride sound familiar? Nickel-based batteries, that's what was before lithium-ion. And for those to stay in good shape, to keep those healthy, you actually should have discharged those fully. It was kind of the opposite. But what's actually better about these lithium-ion batteries is that you don't have to do that. They're actually a lot better, believe it or not, even though it sounds like they're kind of a pain from this video. They're actually a lot better at you know being able to be discharged a little bit or a lot and not having to get run down all the way to zero. What's really key and what's new information to me recently is that there's a certain change that happens in the way your device is gonna charge once you hit 80%. Once you get to 80%, then you can't charge quite as fast from my understanding, because that's gonna be worse for your battery. You gotta avoid things like overheating. So that is where battery throttling comes into the picture. Basically, most devices these days, to my understanding, will throttle your charging past 80%, so that last 20%. So you may have noticed that. Sometimes if you plug a device in or you're doing wireless charging, it'll charge a lot faster seemingly and then kind of slow down. Well, that is the reason why. And what's really interesting is that even when you do get to 100%, and if you're just listening to this, I'm doing some air quotes here, 100%, it's not really always 100%. It's just what the computer thinks it can safely handle. But here's the thing, when you top up lithium ion batteries all the time, you get to that you know, 100%, even though it's not really 100%, but when you get it up to the top, when you top it off, that can be worse for your battery's overall life, its lifespan. Basically, they're just gonna age faster if you top it up all the time. Now, that's something that I'm not doing a good job of. I often do top it up all the time, because again, like who actually can bog down and manage this stuff 100%? I'm too busy working and living to care about the battery that much. But I just figure anything that you can do to, to prolong it is a good thing. And I wouldn't have even thought about caring about it if I hadn't had that bulging battery problem you know, a year and a half or two years ago. Now, this was an issue for iOS devices a while back, and Apple came out with a solution. It was to throttle stuff, and there wasn't a big public announcement about it, which is kind of what got Apple into trouble. I don't know if you guys remember, everyone was getting mad. I think there was lawsuits uh, for Apple throttling the battery life, but it was something that they were doing. They just didn't publicly really disclose that. And of course, I think Apple even apologized for it, if I'm not mistaken. And on top of that, they rolled out a battery replacement program for older iPhones. So it was a big deal. 
So, you know, we got some other stuff out of that uh, whole iOS battery management debacle. Uh, there's a new one-year warranty on all Apple battery-powered devices that allows for a no-charge replacement. I'm reading here. You can probably tell the difference if the capacity drops below that 80% in the first year. And then if you want, you can get Apple Care Plus, which will extend that replacement policy for the duration of that warranty. So in Big Sur, which I mentioned just a minute ago, Apple's bringing that same kind of battery management uh, efficiency, the solutions that they put in iOS, they're bringing that to the Mac. And rather hilariously, people have been jumping on Apple, hating on the battery icon, the design of the icon, which I have to say, as a background in design, it does look a little weird and you could make fun of it. I think it definitely looks a little bit unappley. I will say that. But yeah, you can get in there and you can see the usage history. You can see the battery level. You can see your screen on usage. You can mess with the power adapter settings. You can even schedule stuff. And it will show you how the battery life has been over the last 24 hours and then the last 10 days. So it gives you a pretty complete picture if you do want to step it up a notch and make sure that you're taking care of your max battery. I want to mention an app called Camo, which turns your iPhone into a professional webcam or your iPad for that matter for your Mac. Because look, we all live in this Zoom powered world now where a ton of people are still working from home. And what do we keep saying? Me and so many other people, Macs still, MacBook Pros even, have potato cameras. The cameras just aren't good on Macs. So literally, almost anything would be an improvement. GoPro came out with software to let you turn the Hero 8 into a webcam. Uh, Fuji came out with some software, Panasonic now, so that you can use their mirrorless cameras as better webcams for your Mac. And you know, not everybody is gonna have that level of resources for their Zoom meeting. But what's cool is that you can get, and of course you could just buy something like the 4K Logitech camera, right? That it's a dedicated webcam. You could go down that route. And probably I think a lot of people have because they were sold out for a little bit. But what's cool is that you can use this app, Camo, C-A-M-O, to turn your iPhone or your iPad into a surrogate webcam. That's a very high quality webcam for your Mac. Now, it's actually a lot more professional and pro level than I think you're probably thinking right now. It's not just a matter of using the camera. You can actually select which camera on your iPhone is being used. So if you want ultra wide, if you want to crop in a little bit more and use the telephoto, you can do that. And then you can also do things like adjust the zoom level which is nice, or you can adjust things like the saturation. So you can really dial in the settings to make sure that you're looking good in your Zoom meetings. And it's not just Zoom. Oh, and before I move on to all the programs that it's gonna work with, it also is going to let you adjust the lighting. So you can use the flash on the back to better light up your face, which is a big deal. Because you could use something like Lytra's little camera light that's like a dedicated light for your iPhone photography. You could use something like that and plop it on a little tripod and light yourself that way. But why not? It's more convenient. Just use the flash on your phone. As long as you're using your phone's um, camera system, why not use that flash as well? That's very cool. And I should mention there's a feature that lets you jump between different iOS devices even during a call as well. Okay, so it's not just Zoom that it works with. Uh, it works with Meet, it works with Microsoft Teams, it works with Skype, works with Slack, Google Chrome, WebEx Teams, QuickTime, and lots of others. Ironically though, it doesn't yet work with FaceTime, which is kind of funny because <laughs> that's the default thing for a lot of Apple people if, it, if you're not in a professional setting. But the good news is FaceTime support, that's on their roadmap. So that should be coming hopefully in the relatively near future. Now, it's great to use your iPhone or your iPad as a camera for your Mac. 
that's cool and all. But what I really like is that it can give you a constant preview because not all software does that. Uh, like Google Meet, for instance, that doesn't give you a constant preview of what your camera is seeing of you. Camo actually does, but you might run into that issue that has been plaguing YouTubers for a long time of looking into the lens or looking into the preview, which makes it feel like you're not really looking at the people in your meeting. But still, it's like, ah, oh, do I have that bean in my tooth? You know, did I get that? This will make sure that you're looking good still, no matter what. The good news is because people are always getting on me for featuring apps that cost, but it's like, well, if it's a good app, the developers do deserve to get paid, right? But the good news for those people is that there is a free version. And of course, there's a trade-off. If you go free, then you're gonna have to deal with the watermark. You're gonna get some advertising out of you using their software. And on top of that, you're limited to 720p resolution. So better than nothing, and at least that would give you the option to test it out, see if you like it, and if it's worth you know paying a little extra to upgrade. Because if you upgrade, there is gonna be a yearly fee of $39.99, so 40 bucks. But if you count that against the cost of getting like the 4K Logitech, you know, that is going to save you some money, at least for that first year. But if you need higher quality, you know, if you want to look as good as possible, which I think is the point here, because you want to improve beyond what your Mac is capable of. If you want to look as good as possible, then that's really a real solution that could really help you out is to pay 40 bucks to use your iPhone as a much better alternative to your Mac's potato cam. Now think about it, even the Mac Pro, that's a high-end machine, but it doesn't come with a webcam, does it? So this is a real hack here. This is a real solution. Apple glasses, when they finally launch, which could be sometime late 2021, I'm hearing 2022, they are going to be amazing. More amazing than either you or I ever even imagined or thought. Because I was originally just picturing just augmented reality stuff overlaid, just very basic. If I'm walking down the street, then I get some arrows for my directions to the nearest coffee shop so I can snag my nitro. Or we just talked about on the podcast recently, you know, a virtual desk setup where instead of an ultra wide, you can have as many screens going as you want with the virtual keyboard and the whole mix. That stuff's all very neat, you know, like stick a 90 inch TV on your wall. That's interesting. That's cool. But I'm starting to hear details from patents that Apple's filing that make me think that Apple's being a lot more sophisticated with what they're trying to do and what they're capable of with Apple Glass, potentially. Or glass, glass or glasses, I don't know what they're going to call it. I'm sure they're not going to name it uh, after something that failed miserably for Google with Google Glass. So as an example of how Apple's kind of thinking about pushing things beyond just that basic experience, there was a patent recently that talked about how Apple could use your Apple glasses, we're just gonna refer to them as that for this segment of the podcast, because I don't know what else to call them, to provide better privacy for iOS devices. And of course it would be privacy that Apple's after, because they're always talking about, it's one of their selling points, privacy as something that sets them apart from Google, from Facebook, from Amazon. Does it hurt Siri? Yes, probably so. They're not mining people's data and people don't have the same opinion of Siri as they do of Google Assistant or Alexa. But what Apple can tout as a counterweight to that is privacy. So this new patent kind of provides a digital augmented privacy screen for your screen so that the person sitting next to you on the plane, let's say, assuming that it's safe to be traveling on planes again someday soon, they aren't gonna be able to see what's on your screen, but you will. Now, this is in direct response or competition to those screens that you can get that are privacy screens that you slap on your device, and then it kind of muddles 
the screen a little bit, number one. Uh, but then from the side, it's either impossible or much harder to see what's on the screen. So yeah, those privacy protector screens, they really don't provide an amazing experience, at least the ones that I've seen in the past. They do serve their purpose, you know, so you can buy it and it will work as advertised. It will give you some more extra privacy. But what Apple's saying is what if they can just digitally augment your screen so that if you're wearing their Apple glasses, then you can see what's on the screen and everybody else just sees a blank screen. So for instance, if you're using one of those real life privacy screens, maybe you have to turn up your screen's brightness in order to compensate for the dimness that that screen actually imposes. And that in turn, that can reduce your battery life. So that's not the best solution that could be available. So this is interesting, Apple's you know potential solution here to show a blank screen to everybody else, but the person wearing the Apple glasses. But beyond that, what sounds cool about this patent and this idea is that the person wearing the glasses would still be able to see all the controls, like the keyboard and stuff to interact with on the screen. So it would be superimposed. It would be there for you, the glasses wear, but not for everybody else. So it's not just the content, it's the controls as well. So you could type out a password, for instance, without anybody being able to snoop. To them, it just is gonna look like you're randomly tapping around on a white or blank screen. Now, it's not just about the privacy system to me. In my mind, I'm like, wow, Apple's thinking next level about this stuff, and what else are they thinking about? There was an AR demo that Apple put out there recently that went over a lot of people's heads, but it had to do with Apple being able to map where a person is in the real world and it pulled in information from maps and and stuff like that very precisely which is a big deal these apple glasses when they land i think are going to blow people away hopefully because it's not like and this is going to show your geekiness if you know what i'm talking about it's not like the holodeck right on star trek at the moment where you don't need to wear something you know on your head to actually see something and interact with it. You still have to have some kind of device that needs to know where you are spatially in order to be useful, in order to put out an illusion that things are out there in the real world that aren't really there. And same thing with virtual reality too. But if you look at the last group of patents that Apple has dropped related to AR, which you can take as being related potentially to Apple glasses, then this world that we live in right now with just smartphones, is going to look really dull in five years down the road. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this first new batch of video-driven podcasts. So again, I would love your feedback. Make sure you hit me up. I'm at Daily Textbell, Daily T-E-K-K on Twitter specifically. If you're on Twitter and you want to reach out with some feedback, you can go to dailytech.com, dailytekk.com, and there's a way to contact me there uh, for some feedback as well. If you're watching this on YouTube, then please leave me your feedback as well. And yeah, I think you can expect more of this in the future. There's gonna be a dedicated channel for the full uploads. There's gonna be a dedicated clips channel. In fact, they already exist and you may be subscribed from our experiment at the beginning of the podcast back in episode number one. But if you're not already, then I'll definitely link that stuff up for you so you can get subscribed because there's gonna be a lot of content headed your way uh, not only now, because this is a once or twice a week thing right now, but in the future, who knows? Maybe we'll go daily. I have no idea where this is going to head. All right, so thanks for catching up, and I'll catch you in the next video or podcast. Later. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah. Welcome to the other party, out of vibe. When you know we getting lit and come alive. And you know we got a light, so we gon' shine. And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah.
Since so 12 giving you the heat Don't review some Chris you gotta see Daily tech got the facts that you need And it's a whole crew you gotta meet After party it's the place you gotta be And you can't really beat it cause it's free Trying to give you unbiased critiques Quality you should take it from me Cause we care about our customers Pull up a seat, got a whole team Giving you the best and do it by any means Brand new Mac and know it's looking clean It's the after party, live from the mommies Wanna cop some, shouldn't be a doubt about it Looking for great reviews, then you found it Connecting with the fans, hope you get a lot out of it yo. Welcome to the other party, I vibe When you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah Welcome to the other party, I vibe Well, you know we getting lit and come alive And you know we got a light so we gon' shine And we talking to the fans, it's the time, yeah